time being 6.04. I call the January 4th Franklin School Committee Budget Subcommittee to order. Um, did uh, um, everyone have an opportunity to review the minutes? Yep, uh, minutes look good. All right, excellent. Um, in that case, I'll um, entertain a motion to approve the minutes. Uh, so moved. Yeah. All right, excellent. I'll second. Um, all those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Yeah. Aye. Excellent. Dave. All right. Dave, just to be clear, um, we are recording. Um, Franklin Matters is recording, and we're also recording um, for the district. We have one uh, person online watching. It happens to be someone from the school committee. Um, so excellent. But um, we, I just wanted to put that out there for the group to make sure everyone know that we are recording. Excellent. Oh, and uh, maybe I was remiss. Should we, uh, um, do we need to do a roll call? Because um, yep. yep. I'm virtual? Yes. Yep. Okay. Um, so do um, Dave Callahan? Present. Okay. Uh, Mega Whitmore? Right. Not present at this time, but um, she gets here. We can um, mark her present. Then Dave McNeil is also present. Um, so um, why don't we move right along to um, the first order on the agenda, a school capital budget request. Okay. Um, just to lay the foundation, then I'll kick it to Miriam. Um, annually, we develop uh, capital requests by engaging with our principals at each building, our curriculum leaders, and um, student services department and teaching and learning, that office, to look at the requests. We also work with facilities and uh, technology to put together capital requests. Miriam has uh, taken the lead on that, facilitated those meetings, gathered that information, compiled it, brought it back to our team, our leadership team, and we were able to look through it and prioritize particular budget areas. So with that in mind, she's prepared a draft of what would go before the school committee on Tuesday night, uh, but we wanted to bring it before you tonight so that you have an opportunity to weigh in, provide any input you have. Um, you'll also notice on the call we're joined by Tina Rogers and Paula Morano. Um, the capital requests uh, include some curriculum requests as well as some special ed um, requests as well. So we thought having them here to kind of weigh in with, and answer any questions would be helpful. And uh, from there, I'll kick it to Miriam to walk us through. Thank you. Uh, so as uh, Lucas mentioned, I, I did um, have um, requests filter through uh, each department as well as the principals. Um, putting those requests together uh, at the district level, we are moving forward with uh, a prioritized list uh, and you have a memo that documents um, the list that will be presented tonight uh, and tomorrow night. Um, the first item is the English language arts curriculum. This is um, requesting $400,000 for K through five English language arts curriculum materials. Uh, those materials and licenses would support uh, to about 2,075 students in our district. Um, the last time we did a curriculum review was back in 2010 and, um, and it was prior to that, probably before 2005, uh, that we actually purchased uh, literacy materials. 
curriculum, um, ELA curriculum materials. Uh, we currently have a literacy committee working on uh, a needs analysis of the program and a program review uh, to identify a, a high quality um, uh, curriculum resource. We're anticipating that cost to be $400,000. Uh, some of the quotes, uh, one of the quotes that we have at this point uh, approaches that depending on the, um, the number of years with which we contract. Um, I'm gonna give you a little more information on that um, as we go through the process. Uh, but that is the first item and the highest priority on our list. Uh, the second item is the, the request for $469,500 for technology items. This would include replacing uh, 150 laptops at Franklin High School at, the, um, at uh, a cost of about $1,250 each for a total of $187,500. Um, typo in the memo saying that the um, laptops are approaching nine years old. Um, unfortunately, that's a typo. They are about four years old as of September. So just to point that out. Um, also the TV studio at Franklin High School looking to um, upgrade the um, equipment in the TV studio also. So that is in fact approaching nine years old, put in place when the building was built requesting $282,000 um, for the replacement of the TV studio. Uh, you know, it is currently working, um, but if something breaks, we need to be cognizant of that. Uh, so that's where that request is coming from, and um, that would allow students to continue broadcasting their morning news and announcements and um, exploration of the TV production industry. Uh, the third request is for a special education wheelchair van. We are requesting $77,000 even to add a wheelchair van to our current fleet um, of 14 vans due to the increase in students um, in our in-district specialized programs. We currently have about 168 students pre-K to 12 uh, and we are obligated to provide specialized transportation um, for students who um, require that transportation as a result of their disability uh, and as reference in their IEP. Uh, and the fourth request is for food service equipment that we're requesting $50,000 to uh, install a double combi oven at the Parmenter Elementary School. It's basically a three-in-one oven that will allow cooking with steam, hot air, and, um, and or convection uh, and a combination of, of both, hence the word combi. Uh, and it's an alternative to using those um, those um, pieces of equipment and would allow for the expansion of um, producing fresh foods and um, scratch cooking. There are, um, some, so those are the school department requests. There are also some school facilities requests that include um, specifically our first, our priority, which is um, to upgrade the entrances at the Keller Sullivan and the Remington Jefferson complexes to um, install pedestrian traps, similar to how our schools in uh, all the rest of our schools act, are accessed. Once you are buzzed in the front door, you are in basically a waiting area before you are buzzed into the main um, office or the school area with access to students. 
Um, so Keller Sullivan does not allow for that at this point in time, nor does Remington Jefferson. And this um, this request we anticipate um, based on conversations with the facilities department, we anticipate that cost to be about $80,000 for both um, sites. So that cost is um, a request that has been included in the facilities department capital request budget. Um, so those are the things that we are requesting. Um, I, I, we recognize um, that most recently um, we found out what our allocation is likely to be. Um, and so we are pairing some of those items back uh, and we are, and we found this information out yesterday afternoon. Um, so I want to be upfront and say we haven't had a whole lot of time to um, work through what it, what our request is likely to be. Um, and so you had a draft copy of a memo that was included um, for you. It has since been revised, even in the past two hours, um, to to meet the targeted uh, number the targeted allocation that we anticipate that the, the town might um, allocate to us. This, the requests that I just um, mentioned to you are a total of $996,500. Um, while we knew we were not likely to receive $996,500, um, we now know that we are uh, more likely to receive an allocation of about $400,000. That being said, um, we are looking to modify um, each of three requests that will be curriculum, the, the laptop replacement, and the wheelchair van. Um, and those would be the three uh, priority items that would um, consume roughly that $400,000. And then the $80,000 for the pedestrian traps would also be included um, in that uh, allocation. Um, the town administrator has made us aware that, that the pedestrian traps are would be included in the, his recommendation, uh, and then the 400000 would be for us to allocate. Um, it would be my suggestion that you, you um, bring the full request to this committee, which is what we have done, and that potentially bring that full $996,000 request to the full school committee, knowing that these are the needs that we are faced with, and then we will be funded as we will be funded and make adjustments as necessary. Um, and um, I, uh, at this point, I think that we're in the process of, of pairing some of those requests down. I'm not sure that it has been finalized yet, but we would look at, instead of um, 150 laptops replaced, we would potentially look to replace 60 laptops instead. Um, with English language arts, we would bring the $400,000 down to potentially 250,000 roughly um, for either a short time span or um, on a grade level basis. And then um, the van is the van, although we are looking at um, instead of a wheelchair van, which we really do need, um, the, the option to just purchase a, um, a regular eight passenger van, which um, would still um, meet our needs and would be um, at a lower cost. Um, so that was a lot. I'm happy to answer any questions you might have. 
Uh, excellent. Thank you very much, Miriam. I'll uh, entertain any questions from uh, members of the subcommittee. Um, I just see Dave. I'm not, I'm not sure if Megan's there yet, but uh, Dave, any, uh, any questions? Yeah, thanks so much. Um, it, Miriam, thank you, as always, uh, for, for the comprehensive uh, breakdown. And uh, yeah, it was, it was really, it's incredibly helpful to see, you know, what are the priorities, especially kind of, you know, now the second year I'm going through this, you know, from, from one year to the next. Um, but then even more importantly, what are, you know, what are the things that, that we actually can do and also equally as important, what are the things that we can't? What's being left on the table uh, because the funding isn't there right now? Um, so thank you very much. This really kind of painted a, 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 a solid picture. Um, do you have a, a couple of questions? So one, when we talk about um, say, like looking at the three priorities, you mentioned with like the uh, ELA curriculum that uh, you know there may be some ways to kind of scale back, um, and just for uh, the ways to scale back. When if we look at it on a um, on a year to year kind of like price point, when we're shortening the you know how much how many years that we're going to purchase you know this for. Is it getting kind of more expensive? The you know almost like in like the smaller units. You know, if we do it for one year, it's X amount of dollars, but there's savings if we're doing it over five years. Yes. Yeah, anyway, yes, I'm sorry. That's correct. Uh, yeah. You're correct. Do we know? Do we know so, if we look at it? You know, on you know like how much it costs for for two years, for four years, for five years. Yes. We will without using specific quotes. You'll find that like a five-year agreement could be, and Tina, if you want to chime in here, I'm just thinking about just an example of the quotes. A two-year agreement is 300,000, where a six-year agreement could end up being, do you have that number? 450, 500? I do, two years, $407,999 versus six year, which is $607,000, um, just, just for one example. Um, the reason why these quotes haven't, haven't been finalized at this point is because we still have a committee that's working on and piloting the curriculum. And again, Tina, please feel free to chime in. But um, it, we still have a committee of, of teachers that are piloting these materials to determine which one is the best, which one they feel is the best product for our students. Um, and so that's where we are in this process right now. Um, but but yes, Dave, you're correct that that the longer out we we go, it will cost us more because of the number of years. But it will, in essence, uh, per 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 unit per unit basis, yeah. it will cost less. Yeah. It's the difference of you know shopping at, at Stop and Shop versus Costco. Like there, there's correct. significant correct. savings if we're able to front load the money. Right. Correct. And, and also, just actually to, to clarify, when we purchase a curriculum, we are like front-loading it, right? It's not, uh, you know, we, we need to have that $400,000 up front. We can't just kind of go with a five-year contract only having X number today and hoping that we have it I down the road. Up, the contracts are structured also typically where they front-load and say, if you buy, if they want, they want to sell their product. Mm -hmm. So the way they structure these is to say, like, basically, if you think about it, spending $400,000 for a two-year contract versus $600,000 on a six-year contract. You're talking about the difference of $100,000 a year. Right. 
Right. Which isn't. But yeah, they, they want a commission change. from a district to purchase their material. That's mm -hmm. how they do oh. cost of doing that kind of business. So yeah. um, this, but when we, if we're limited in what we're able to allocate and fund, then you um, one alter, one outcome of that is to have to chip away at this at a smaller amount, or not have a K five rollout and then target specific grades as you heard reference. Yes, and which actually, is an ideal. Yeah, I would imagine when when you if you're kind of doing it on like a, a grade level, I mean, I would think like the cost there too. Now you're doing so much more professional development for the for the you know for training the teachers. If a teacher were to you know, if we were to kind of roll it out in the K level and you got a kindergarten teacher and then the next year they're jumping over to just kind of say second grade, well, you're onboarding a brand new teacher in their spot. So, it, yeah, it seems like that wouldn't be as cost efficient either. So, I know obviously it'd be great if we had the funding to be able to, to launch it all at once. Um, so, thank you uh, for that. And, and kind of actually on that same note too, when it comes to the laptops, is that kind of like a similar thing too? The, the, the more laptops that we that we purchase, the, the smaller unit cost is, or is that? Yeah, and the, and the closer to the purchase that the quote comes in, the, the difference in the pricing as well. So getting a quote today that will likely only good, be good for, for 30 days, mm -hmm. you know, not knowing when we actually might purchase it, um, you know, 30 days from now, at the end of a quarter, it may be much cheaper, uh, for example. Okay. So, so that, those are the things that Tim Raposo looks at before he gets the quote, um, and um, and of course volume uh, um, would also um, dictate pricing. You know, if you're ordering ten laptops versus 150 laptops, you're going to get a better price per laptop. Okay. Um, one other question. Uh, actually, sorry, two more. I apologize. Um, and then when it comes to the with the van, so if we, if we're not purchasing the wheelchair van, so you said right now, uh, there's not a direct need for it. it it's just a, it's kind of future proofing, or. So no. we, the, uh, if you don't yeah. mind here, <laughs> the wheelchair van we have that we're planning to replace is very old. So um, not only can it only fit two wheelchairs and and minimal other, um, and it has minimal other seating. The newer versions have we could fit three wheelchairs plus this additional seating for students who just need regular seating. In addition, the old van is very rickety and rackety. So um, students with sensory issues, we can't place on that van um, because it's very, um, not very stimulating, let's put it that way, or overstimulating, I yeah. should say. So um, so we figured we this year we would ask for the wheelchair, replace the wheelchair van. However, you know, if we're looking at a more cost-effective option, even if if we can replace one of our older regular eight passenger vans that would help um if we needed to look at funding and being a little bit more frugal yeah it, uh, those vans is that something that could be um kind of like retrofitted to support a wheelchair van or is that a, a totally separate purchase no it's a totally separate okay actually what they yeah they what they do is they take a regular van and i think they fit the wheelchairs i don't know We've but, gotten but, different quotes about that, but yeah. <laughs> we, we don't have a, a you know a, a shop to send it to to, to add no. that attachment. No, 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 no. they developed it for us. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, thank you all very much. And, and I uh, really appreciate it too. Uh, uh, I was glad to know that, that at least that $80,000 for the public, you know, the safety aspect is something we'll be able to, to kind of have secure. And I know that in one of the requests they talked about um, interior cameras in an elementary school level. 
And now, is that uh, common across recent requests? Or uh, yeah, it was in, in one of the um, in the, documents in the document here. Yeah, it was one of the requests. Um, this is over at Kennedy. Um, additional request for it was more for future consideration. Um, oh, yes. In, uh, in Kennedy, they talked about interior security cameras. Mm -hmm. Is that, I, I know that over at the high school, I remember, you know, we kind of yeah. talked about the, all the, the placements. Is that something that we have at other elementary schools right now? Um, so we have, we have cameras at all of our schools, but if, uh, that particular request is speaking to adding additional cameras to Kennedy to add in those some of the smaller hallways. I think the major areas have them in the external of the building, but this was a matter of trying to bring up the number of cameras. Okay, so it's not a matter that one school just doesn't have interior cameras while the others do. It's everybody does, and they were just looking to... We're looking to just continue to, to upgrade our okay. uh, security across the board. There are cameras at each school, um, but certainly depending on the year they were built, the design, mm -hmm. not all were outfitted originally with the same amount. Some weren't outfitted with any cameras when they were built if they're a very old building. Over time, our technology facilities department has installed them and will continue to. The recommendations when we had the security audit were to continue down the track we've been going around the pedestrian traps. Mm -hmm. So that's been one piece, but that's why the future considerations are about how can we beef up um, security cameras for the no, thank you very much for uh, for the clarification. Yeah. So, um, again, thank you all. I really appreciate uh, all the the insight and information. I uh, I yield. <laughs> thank you, Dave. Uh, just to confirm: is uh, is Megan arrived or? I am here. All right, uh, Megan. Any questions? Uh, no, I don't have any questions. All right, thank you, um, Miriam, and. Uh, Paula, thank you very much um, for you know, presenting this and you know, for this information. Uh, just a couple quick questions. So for um, English language arts curriculum, um, so is that for the most part um, books or is it like other, like is it software or like other like training materials or like what, uh, like what is um, the bulk of that um, request gonna be um, spent on? So that's a great question, Dave. So most of the time, so as we're still in the process, it's hard to clearly define what specifically and exactly it would be used for, but when we purchase any curriculum included in that are, um, you know, books and resources to put in students' hands in the classroom, um, a, a lot of uh, replenishable workbooks from year to year are part of that request. Mm -hmm. In addition to that, just in the day and age, also comes with some licensing to online resources as well um, is the predominant uh, portion of it. And then typically in an implementation, there is a uh, first year of professional development included in a quote as well. Okay, All right, that, that makes sense. And you said that um, these materials haven't been updated or purchased since 2005, was it? Yeah, I've been here 15 years, and I, we haven't purchased um, <laughs> ELA materials. Yeah, so, so that's it, yeah, that, that's um, yeah, maybe, yeah, coming up on coming up on 20 years of uh, potential updates there. So um, I could yeah. see why um, that could there was there's a lot that needs to go into it, and that would be and that's K to five. Okay. Um, this, if I could just add, Dave, there is a scenario too where the quotes come in and 250 or whatever this number is doesn't actually meet that need and we may need to look to fund the remaining parts. You know, Dr. Mm -hmm. Rogers has worked hard to 
explore grant opportunities, but those are never a guarantee year to year. We still yep. try to do those things regardless. You know, we don't try to rely on, on one avenue. Miriam works very closely with all of us to you know, be as fiscally responsible with our spending as possible. But uh, I just wanted to put that out there that we're, you know, if, if this target number, we have to reduce to, to meet the targeted number, um, ultimately that comes with some concessions. And you know, if the flip side of it is there's no technology replenishment, you could end up with a situation where laptops continue to fail and then teachers in front of kids who can't access that, that's another component that we're trying to just balance the machine and, and yeah. be as responsible and efficient as possible, but there are, there are needs, which is why I think we, our approach is to present what the process led to and what we ultimately feel like we would ask for and need, and then if told that we need to reduce it, have a plan for what we would prioritize. That, no, that absolutely makes sense. Thank you. And then, um, kind of on a similar line to that, so with the with the laptops, I take it that you know part of the price for each one is also for um, software and licensing of educational programs that that goes with that. Yeah, they generally when Tim um, orders them, they're like ready to go. Um, so anything that needs to be installed is already installed with an operating system and any other software that needs to be installed. Um, so, so generally that is, is what happen, uh, happens. Um, I think the other piece to um, be cognizant of relative to the um, laptops is that, you know, um, as Lucas alluded to, that, there, uh, that we're just, if we don't have the money to fund it, we do what we can for this year, but that's gonna be an impact to next year as well. Um, where there are other competing priorities and, and costs. Um, so if we would, if we're you know pushing laptops to, to next year, well next year we're going to probably need one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars worth of Chromebooks, as well as um, you know projectors at the high school. So so we're trying to phase in some of the technology costs that we need, and and you all have a copy of the five-year plan, which is a plan. Um, and so if, if the funding doesn't come through this year, it just pushes that plan out for, um, you know, for future years. Um, and so I, I would be, I would just at least be, uh, make sure you're aware that those, those are, there are competing priorities for next year as well. That if they don't get funded this year, we push those to next year. So. Okay, that, that makes sense. All right, thank you. Um, those are... Those are all my questions. Um, so, and is there any other questions from other members of the subcommittee that weren't asked? I'm good over here. All right, well, hearing none, then happy to move on to the next item on the agenda, ECBC enrollment. So we're, Paul, we'll jump in on this one as well, just to talk through, um, as you know, Try and just keep an eye on um, our enrollment across the board. You know, we're in the process of doing a redistricting analysis as well, so enrollment's a factor in those particular pieces. We wanted to bring this um, to your attention just to give you a, uh, an update of kind of where we're at with our enrollment. Um, what was projected um, at ECDC? Um, we have exceeded, you've heard that uh, before at one of the June meetings when we did, when Al Charles presented on the space needs um, update um, and we wanted to just talk through a couple of uh, enrollment figures and numbers with you all so 
um, as you all, I think, are aware, but I'll re, you know, remind you that with ECDC, it's a rolling enrollment. So we are obligated to evaluate and um, provide services for students with disabilities starting at age three as they transition out of the early intervention services. Um, we have seen um, a large, a, a greater um, enrollment of students with disabilities um, coming to EC, turning three, um, whether this is due to the pandemic and the, the uh, amount of services that were provided through early intervention during the closure um, is a factor, it could be, or it's just a factor that more students are being identified earlier with disabilities. Um, we have never seen such a large increase of students um, this time of year. We typically see a bump, but not this high. So right now, as of Dece you know, right before break, right December 22nd, we have 17 students from now until March. Um, well, actually May, I should say, that will be entering ECDC and needing to be provided with um, some type of program. Right now, as you know, any of you who, who did attend our walkthroughs um, of ECDC, you know we have used every single space at ECDC. So we really need to find more space to provide services to these students. With that, we've also had to increase related service providers. So now we have more staff, more adults in the building that we need more office space for as well. So they'll be sharing more office spaces as well. So um, we were hoping, you know, we've been really looking at um, Horace Mann to see if we can expand out there. We're, we're absorbing as many students as we can within the classroom, but we need to keep in mind that we need a, a, a larger ratio of students without disabilities to dis students with disabilities to have a, a true integrated classroom. Um, so um, yeah, so more students requires more space, which requires and it could require more staff. So um, I'll let Miriam add anything that um, she feels is necessary. Yeah, I guess I, I would add that um, in anticipation of these students um, attending, we would need to open a new classroom at this point in time and furnish it and um, potentially hire a new teacher um, to accommodate these students between now and the end of the school year. And so we would um, look to you uh, for some consensus um, to do that and make sure you're aware because of the budgetary impacts of that, uh, which can be funded um, through the ECD, through the preschool revolving account. Okay. Um, thank you. I will open it up to the subcommittee members for any questions. Um, Megan, any questions? Sorry, I didn't hear you. Sorry, uh, no, Mr. Chairman, no questions. All right, um, Dave Callahan, any questions? He was waiting for the Mr. Chairman thing before he acknowledged it. Um, no, uh, no questions, but uh, I mean, Paula, when you talk about uh, the space over at ECDC, like understatement of the year, it was just busting at the seams when, when we went to visit it to, to only grow from here. Um, yeah, definitely have hands full uh, and, and a job cut out for you. Uh, we're trying to trying to figure that out. Um, so whatever we can do to to help out, um, you know, please, you know, you know, let me know. Let us know. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. Um, just a quick question, um, Paula. So when 
Um, you know, based on what you and Miriam just said, you know, we, there's a good chance we would need to open up a new classroom um, with new staffing. What are the, do we have special staffing requirements for ACDC given the special needs of the students that are served there? And like, is there a certain ratio of when a new classroom needs to be opened up, when the certain thresholds hit? And then like, what are the... Oops. You froze. <laughs> probably predicted the question, Dave, so I think we can answer it in a moment. Yes, I'll answer as much as you, I've heard. Um, so yes, yeah, so our, our teachers need to be both dual certified. So they need to be um, pre-K to, I think it's pre-K, early childhood certification, pre-K to two, along with the special ed certification. So they need to be special ed teachers. Um, and then we also need, obviously, as you I've said, ECDC, because of the needs of the students, you also need a, a para, at least one to two paraprofessionals per classroom. Um, depending on the number of students that are in that classroom. Um, we have reached threshold probably in most all of our classrooms that we have existing right now. We have we were able to absorb um, into our existing classrooms about the, the next three students that will be turning three, um, but now we're, we're after that we'll be at our tipping point as you as you say. So we are fortunate that we've worked with Becky Monty and Brendan Healy over at Horace Mann um, that they um, do have, they had moved um, a, STEM, a STEM classroom from the, the basement to the, the next floor up. Um, so that teacher moved over winter break. Um, so we're looking at that classroom and how we could create that classroom, make that classroom into a preschool classroom. Obviously it's going from a middle school classroom to a, a preschool classroom. So we'll need to do some adjustments regarding sinks and toilets and restrooms um, and adding changing tables. Um, but we, are, we, Lucas and Andrew Duquette and I were over there today with Kelty Kelly looking at what we need to purchase to um, create a preschool environment in a middle school classroom. So so we've kind of, we've to answer your question, yes, we've hit that point. Um, so we are posting, you know, with your blessing, we are posting for a teacher. We'll start interviewing because as you know, with our staffing challenges, that could take us some time as well. So um, we can get creative with some programming for students if we don't, if we're not able to get that classroom up and running by the time they turn three. Um, but um, like I said, just being creative with their programming um, to just buy us some time. But um, we're at that tipping point now. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that that information. Um, so just um, just to be clear, are you asking us to vote to approve this, or is this just something that you're um, informing us of at the moment. I don't know that you necessarily need to vote, um, but I guess we're just looking for consensus because we are going to look to in, in, um, to add a classroom and a classroom teacher. Okay. Um, well, in that case, I'll um, just open up to the committee. Any uh, comments, any additional comments, concerns, or questions um, in regards to or thoughts on, on this? Uh, yeah, just certainly you have my full support on this. Same here. Um, yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And no, I think, um, no, I mean, we're seeing this greater influx of students, you know, in the, the you know, preschool level with special needs, and that we should do all we can to um, provide them the services that they require. So, yeah, thank you for bringing this to our attention. Thank you. Um, and if there are no further questions, 
Um, I would be happy to move on to the final item on the agenda, FY24 budget timeline review. Yeah, so um, Dave, I'm not sure I need to tell you that there's a new governor in place this year. <laughs> um, and and so, <laughs> so with that comes a change in the um, governor's uh, timeline for releasing a budget with, with preliminary local aid figures and Chapter 70 amounts. Um, what we had generally uh, for the past eight years has been uh, end of January um, reveal, I'll call it, uh, now is moved to the beginning of March. And so I wanted to inform you as a committee that that is when we would anticipate seeing the governor's budget uh, to be released, when we would anticipate state aid figures. Um, I don't expect to get any surprises with our Chapter 70 funding. We're a minimum aid community, so I don't expect that we're gonna get any more than $30 per pupil in addition to the um, um, Chapter 70 money that we're getting in the current year. Uh, so it's going to approximate $150,000, give or take. Of course, the legislature gets to decide that in the end, and this year they decided that was going to be $60 a head. That'd be great, but um, at this point, the Student Opportunity Act calls for that $30 a head. Um, so while the um, local aid and Chapter 70 uh, money certainly play a big part in the overall town budget development, um, I think the impact to the schools is, is minimal for us at this point. We're going to go ahead and create a budget based on our needs, where we think we might land, um, and, and go forward from there. I would expect the town would uh, look at Chapter 70 in the same uh, way at a roughly $30 per pupil addition of $150,000 to our current uh, state aid. So I just wanted to inform you of that changed the timeline and um, happy to respond to any questions you might have. All right, I'll open up to any questions from the subcommittee members. Uh, Dave Callahan. Thank you. Um, uh, uh, one quick thing, uh, Mary, when you talk about, uh, uh, we'll you know, kind of uh, do the budget based on the numbers that we're anticipating. I think it would be fantastic if we could, just kind of like what we saw with the capital budget, also include, you know, here are things that, you know, were you know cut or left on the chopping block, uh, just to, to really kind of enunciate you know here's the the large scope what we're actively trying to do. However, here's what we're only able to practically do. Um, I, I think it was it was very helpful for me looking at the capital uh, uh, requests. I think it would be great kind of with the big budget going forward too. Okay. Sure. Thank you, Dave. Uh, Megan, any questions from you? Just as a 
additional information to share with us and then report out what that adjustment is with you all. Yeah, that's correct. We, we would keep the timeline as we are um, right now, which would anticipate, um, you know, the superintendent's recommended budget coming out, I believe, um, um, that would be on March 14th. Uh, right now, based on the a tentative timeline, um, we anticipate that would stay the same um, with um, the with a public hearing um, on the 28th and the potential school committee um, vote on the uh, April 11th. So, so um, I would anticipate those timelines would still be in effect, um, even though we wouldn't have a local aid figure. Um, I think the town budget is still going to have to be um, put in place uh, for the end of May, early June, um, for a July 1 start, um, you know, short of another pandemic, God forbid. <laughs> and uh, I don't see those timelines changing a whole lot. They're set by charter. Thank you, Megan. Um, yeah, and I, I was just also curious um, to confirm whether or not there are any practical implications on the timeline for our budget. So yeah, thank you, Megan, for asking that question. Um, and other than that, I don't have um, any additional questions. Um, so is there, um, was there anything else from any members of the committee? Uh, no, not for me. Right. Um, anything else from, uh, Anyone on the admin side? No. All set. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, if that's the case, um, I will entertain a motion to adjourn. So moved. Seconded. All right. Uh, motion is second. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Is aye. It, sorry, roll Opposed. call. Hearing none. Oh. Uh, sorry, Mr. Call? Chairman. I think roll call. Oh, absolutely. My apologies. Um, uh, uh, Dave Callahan? Uh, yes. Megan Whitmore? Yes. And Dave McNeil is also a yes. So, um, motion passes. Um, we are adjourned. And thank you all. And I uh, look forward to the, doing the rest of the work this budget cycle with everyone. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hey, thank Hope you. you all have a great evening. Take care, Dave. You too. Thank you all Bye -bye. very much. Bye. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.